Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. We here at Animal Radio, we love all animals, all pets. And they could be, uh, like I've mentioned before, some people have flamingos. Sure. Just a few. A few people that I know have flamingos. They're, they're high maintenance. Uh, people have dogs. People have cats. They have rabbits. Many have reptiles and turtles. Turtles, turtles, Tur- turtles, 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 and uh, guess what? It is World Turtle Day in three days. Woo-hoo! I had no idea that, I, and I don't think Hallmark is behind this, <laughs> but I've never heard about this until today. Actually, that uh, there is such thing as there a World is Turtle such Day. Such a thing, Turtle do, Day. Do I need to get a World Turtle Day card for anybody? Yes, I think you should for my turtle. I used to have a turtle, not anymore. Yeah, what kind of turtle? An African sulcata, or they are commonly called a spurthite tortoise. You can. See the like that looks like armor spurs little on their pointy dog over all the little points all over them. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. they live a long time, don't they? Turtles live. For- they live yeah, a long they do. time, yeah. and they get very big. Some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was a teenager, my mom had about a dozen of them in our backyard, and she used to really. Yeah, and they would dig out. You know, they dig under the fence and stuff. So she, you know, would put an ad in the paper. She worked for the newspaper. You know, she lost a turtle. We'd get them back. The neighbors would return them. And then she started painting on the bottom her phone number and address with, uh, like, red fingernail polish on the <laughs> shelves. So, so, so when they got out, people would just pick them up and they're, you know. The phone number's right yeah, there. Yeah, because it's kind of hard to put a, uh, you know, a tag around An the ID neck. ID tag. Yeah. Didn't have the microchip back then. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So she would just do it with fingernail polish. And we got our turtles back. I had a snapping turtle. Did you? It was, uh, Ooh, did that you? was brave of you. Well, my dad brought it home one day, and then we had to take it back when winter came around. We had to drive it back to uh, where it was found, apparently. And, so it could uh, hibernate or something? Uh, I don't know. Dad had a reason for that. <laughs> did he take it to the farm No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he took it to the farm. <laughs> but yeah, now, yeah, There are all kinds of turtles for all kinds of conditions, you the, know, weather, and that's amazing. The uh, And some of them are illegal now. Some of the the little ones that uh, kids yeah. can put in their mouths. Yeah, you remember when we were oh, red-eared sliders. Yes. Yeah, we used to buy those little plastic containers, the little palm trees, and the little waters. You know, you could put the water in there with the little steps up to the palm tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all had red-eared sliders. Yeah, are illegal. Yeah, oh, they are now. I think. Yeah, they are. They can't. Oh, sell I know them. someone has one. I'm going to rat them out. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, don't rat. Blackmail. Just, you blackmail them. There you go. <laughs> yes. I'm an <laughs> Italian <laughs> man. I'll figure out a way to blackmail somebody. <laughs> they carry salmonella. Yes. That's why. Yeah. Yes. They can uh, get anybody very sick, and the kids would put them in their mouths because they're so small. I know my grandchild had one. Yeah. Can't, yeah. can't be doing that. So why all the tortoise talk and the turtle talk? And by the way, I'm not quite sure I know the difference between the two. Hopefully we'll find out today. There may not be any difference. I still don't know the difference. But we're going to talk to... I can tell you. Can you tell me the difference between a tortoise and a turtle? I may be completely wrong, but this is what I've always heard. is okay. A turtle is water. And a tortoise is land. Oh, huh. I didn't know. So we'll ask our expert, Susan Tellum. She'll be on today. She's the executive director of the American Tortoise Rescue, because apparently there's a tortoise rescue. Of course. Of course. And World Turtle. Are they Turtle in Day. Malibu? They are in Malibu. Why? Have you been there? I adopted a tortoise from her years ago. Really? Really? Yes. Wow. I can't wait wow. to ask her. Very oh, cool. It is a small turtle world. <laughs> Here at Animal Radio. Turtle, turtle. Uh, <laughs> turtle, turtle, turtle. <laughs> turtle, turtle, turtle. Uh, <laughs> Robert's going to be here with five must-know things about, about turtles. turtles. <laughs> 
grab your cats and dogs, come around the radio, and we're going to talk turtle today. Don't forget your turtles. Joey, what do you got on tap today? Is it about turtles? No, I've you know I I should have read the notes about the um you know the show. I just I didn't. It's about ticks. Ticks. So um yeah, ticks and, and a natural way to back them right out of your pet's um skin without pulling, without touching, just by adding a few drops. Ooh, okay, that's Ooh. on the way, and it is indeed tick season for most of us across the country. I don't think turtles have to worry about ticks. I don't know. I don't think turtles turtle ticks. Do. Yeah, turtle ticks. Turtle ticks. <laughs> turtle tick. Turtle tick. Turtle tick. Oh. Well, hello, John. How are you doing? Not bad. How about you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Drums, Pennsylvania. Oh, is it, so that's uh, that's got to be like uh, eastern Pennsylvania, right? Right, northeast. If you take Route 80 and 81 cross, I'm right there at the crossroads. Oh, there you are right now. I see you. <laughs> so, so, what can we do for you? I got the whole team for you here. I was wondering, since you had the pet show and all that and talked about pet problems and that, I don't have a problem. I have a cat and an English setter. And my English center will lay there, a cat will come over and groom him. Then the cat crawls up on his back and kind of kneads his back, you know, doing like a one-two step across his, up and down his back, like sure. his massage room or something. Uh-huh. Okay. And I was in just the, wondering uh, why the cat does something like that. Well, I've got to ask, do, and your dog sits there and, and doesn't mind it? Does, does the dog enjoy it? Enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I'd have to say, you know, we call this making biscuits, you know, and cats do that kind of kneading behavior. And, you know, there's a lot of different kind of theories or thoughts why cats do this, but it's basically a kind of a social behavior that cats do. It's a soothing behavior. It's one that, you know, um, that's how uh, the baby, uh, the kittens, you know, go up to mom. They knead on the, the mammary area to help stimulate milk letdown. So that's kind of one way that this plays out. But it's really kind of a social thing within cats within a um, a social situation. So, you know, I guess the good thing is um, as long as there's no claws being put out where we're having kind of like a a little bit of pain involved with this, um, then then there's nothing wrong with it. It's just completely a way that, you know, your cat is seeing your dog as a social um, uh, equal and, hey, you know, I'm just going to need on you. This is a, uh, I feel good about where I'm at and you should feel good about where you're at and it's just really a very uh, peaceful, happy thing. Um, it really, you know, more if it comes into where we start needing and then it follows with a bite um, or running or any kind of aggression, which that can actually happen, you know, for some kitties that get a little bit too uh, worked up with that behavior. But well, uh, I'd say, with, yeah. They go after each other and bat each other around, but there's never any uh, bloodshed over it. Oh, good. Good. And that's I typical. Mean, you know, you know if they're. And the dog will pin the cat down and rough him up, and the cat will come up and slap the dog across the face a couple times or things like that. <laughs> but I mean,. I don't see any claws coming out or any uh, hostile aggression being portrayed more like just they're playing with each other. Good, but good, good, yeah. The dog would just be laying there, and the well, cat and... come up and start cleaning the dog's face, and then she'll climb, and he'll, both he's, he'll climb up on the dog's back and uh, start doing that little kneading process up and down the dog's back. The dog seems, you know, the dog likes it. Yeah, why not? Hey, and you know, there's that's also a place where you know kitties have their little scent glands is on their paws. So you know, she could also be oh. kind of like saying, "Hey, you're my uh, piece of furniture. <laughs> Don't move." Well, so that's wonderful. This cat's piece of furniture. It's not a kitten anymore. I mean, this cat's about three or four years old now. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you got a good, happy dog cat household. That's not always oh, yeah. achievable. Well. 
the cat's a long story. It's a weird story, the cat. My son and his girlfriend were out uh, doing yard sales one day, and they found this little kitten roving around. They tried to find out who it belonged to. Nobody claimed the cat, so the girlfriend took it home. Their mother said, you have one, we're not getting another. So she turned those baby blues on my son and said, Zachary, can you take care of this cat for me? And we had a cat. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, thank you for your call, John, and, and make sure you give those babies a good hug um, or a good kneading. Make some biscuits with your kitty. <laughs> okay, I appreciate it. I was just curious as to if this cat's just weird or... That yeah. is a completely normal kitty behavior, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah totally get, get normal. Get used to it. And you should learn how to do it back. I have a, a cat that... <laughs> Insists on coming up on my chest and, and doing, does it and onto your chest. It hurts though. Uh-huh. It does. So I actually have to put uh, like a bulletproof vest on underneath <laughs> the old claws. Okay, so we're gonna head back to the phones. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio list. Five must-know things about turtles. One of my favorite pet holidays, and I do mean this, is World Turtle Day. That's right, celebrating turtles is something that I enjoy. Why? That's pretty simple. I've swam with them in the ocean, and they are majestic prehistoric beings. Now, most of you know that I have two desert tortoises in my family, and while I love them, I must admit there is something very cool about turtles, and it's special being able to interact and observe turtles in and out of the water. So in honor of turtles everywhere, I present five must-know things about turtles. To begin with, they've been around for a really long time and are tremendous world travelers. Turtles have been around for more than 200 million years. That's right, I said 200 million years. And they live on every continent except Antarctica. They also follow the ocean's currents and travel the seas in some cases, like leatherback turtles, for up to 10,000 miles annually. There's some frequent swimmer miles for you. Next, they've seen a lot. You may not expect it, but turtles have great eyesight. They respond to colors, including red, yellow, and orange, as those often signify food sources to them. And it surprises many to know that turtles will often respond to the sights and sounds of their owners as well. So go ahead and bond with your turtles. They'll love to get to know you. It's interesting to note that the turtle's shell is made up of nearly 60 bones and is often lighter in comparison to tortoises. This helps them swim and it also puts less pressure on them as they hold their breath underwater for long periods. Some turtles can hold their breath up to five hours. Talk about holding your breath in the deep blue. Additionally, unlike the cartoons, because they're connected to them, turtles cannot leave their shells behind. Now, turtles can live up to 100 years. Some box turtles have lived well past their owners, so keep that in mind if you're thinking about adopting a turtle. And if you're swimming with one in the ocean, those are likely to live up to 40 years. Finally, turtles are omnivores. That's right, they eat a mix of plants, vegetables, and prey. From small fish to crickets and mealworms, turtles enjoy a mix of prey and plants. 
And some pet turtles may enjoy bell peppers and squash, to name just a few veggies that turtles can enjoy. And if you're fortunate enough to have a pet turtle in your family, keep in mind that it needs regular veterinary care as well, and that you need to make sure that your vet has the knowledge and the tools to care for your turtle. Not every vet is trained and equipped to take care of turtles, so make sure you know where you can go for care of that amazing creature. Share your turtle tips on our Animal Radio Facebook page. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. As I mentioned earlier, World Turtle Day is coming up. It's uh, May 23rd. So we're talking about, uh, what, Tuesday? Tuesday, yeah. Yes. We don't want you to forget this, especially for your turtle friends, because that would be a, what a faux pas that would be. Thank, you can thank us later for reminding you <laughs> for that. Honestly, folks, I, this is the first time I've heard of World Turtle Day. Apparently, it's been around. We're going to find out more about it in just a couple of minutes, because Susan Tellum, she is the executive director of the American Tortoise Rescue. Yes, there is a rescue for tortoises. She will be joining us, and she'll tell me the difference between the turtle and the tortoise, which I still no clue with that. I don't know either. I'm sure Dr. Oh, Debbie does. We, we see a lot of um, turtles and tortoises in my office, and I have to say that we have actually seen oodles of them lately from, you know, in the desert. You know, we have the uh, desert tortoise, which is indigenous to um, the desert southwest, which they are found wild, um, but they're also common pets um, that are rescued when they're injured, um, or people get them as hatchlings and uh, raise them. So we see a lot of, oh gosh, turtles and tortoises that are chewed up, unfortunately, by dogs. Mm. Um, so we do see that kind of injuries. Um, now, do you know how to do surgery on a turtle if you need oh, to? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. Actually, we had just a few weeks ago, we had a tortoise that was spayed, and um, there was also one that had a bladder stone removed. Um, wow. So some pretty interesting things you can do with these guys. Um, but a lot of times, you know, the, the shell, we think it's so strong and it's protective, but dogs tend, you know, this is where dogs and turtles and tortoises don't mix. Dogs will see them as like a chew hoof. So you, you really have to be especially careful if you have dogs along with these creatures because you have to look out for them and they're slow moving they kind of look interesting and you know which is good slow moving is good for for a pet for me it, it would is. be very good <laughs> but you know what i have a clients that actually take their tortoises out and walk them they yeah. enjoyed getting them out and about um you did know, you we, tell me once about a tortoise that you had to uh, macgyver wheels onto Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had to amputate, um, its front limb. And then, so we had to affix a little, um, first it was just like a little, uh, stone that she kind of slid all over. And eventually we put a wheel on there so she could move around. Um, but yeah, so we do all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And, you know, these guys, they have special diet and environmental needs. So it, you know, you really have to do your homework and make sure you can provide the home, uh, all the equipment. They need access to heat, UV light, a special diet. So it isn't just a matter of keeping them in a, 
a tank and oh. just throwing food at them. You, you can really do some harm if you don't know what their needs are. So, so they are high maintenance. You know, they're not high maintenance in the sense that you have to spend a lot of time, but you have to be very considerate about making sure that you are the right home for a turtle or a tortoise because um, you do need to take this, this small investment and make sure you do meet these needs. And sometimes it means going to the vet, you know, to, to take your turtle or tortoise in if there's a problem. Uh, respiratory infections are another big thing we see these guys for. I see why vet school is so long compared to medical school. You have to learn about all these different animals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, it is definitely interesting. But it, the turtles and the tortoises are fun because you can, you know, we just repaired some shells uh, last week and, you know, you can kind of dress them up a little bit, <laughs> put a little bling on them. You know. <laughs> Can't you put like solar panels on them and heat them up them that way instead of having to keep a UV light on them? <laughs> Uh, no, 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 they haven't, no. they haven't created that uh, mechanism. No solar panels for the shell <laughs> okay. yet. But you might want to work on that. That might be your calling. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that'll be my million-dollar idea. <laughs> uh, if you have a turtle, we'd love to hear from you. In fact, all of us in the studio, or most of us in the studio, have had a turtle at one time or another. So it's uh, actually not that rare to have a turtle as a pet. Nope. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to head to the newsroom. Lori, what are you working on? Uh, there's a new survey that's been released, and it's all about how expensive it can be to own whatever kind of pet you have for the first 12 months. So that includes all of your equipment and food and pet insurance and all that kind of stuff. So for dogs, cats, fish, rabbits, even horses, we'll tell you. This healthy and yummy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It is always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Channel Cable, we were talking about common dog behavioral problems like barking, chewing, digging, and separation anxiety. Today we're going to talk about begging. It's a bad habit, but most of the time it's caused by the dog owner. A few years ago, a friend invited me over to his house for Super Bowl, told me I could bring my dog. I told my dog to go down, stay in the corner, and watched his dogs running lunatic all over the house. One jumped on the table and grabbed the ham right off, ran away with it. There's two of them, and he's got no control over either. They've got the run of the house, and they're ever everywhere he comes over to me he goes i don't get it how do you get your dog to stay like that i said i'll tell you what what's your biggest problem what do you wish you could stop right now he says begging i want my dogs to stop begging from the table and as he's telling me this he's feeding the dog from the table as he's talking to me He's giving him pieces of turkey while he's talking to me. I don't think he even realizes it. So I pointed it out. I said, look what you're doing right now. You can't feed a dog from the table and then expect him not to beg. You know, it's got to be one way or the other way. Either he never gets food from the table, people food, or he does. It's that simple. And if he does, he's going to beg. Giving in just once causes a huge problem. In the dog world, a subordinate would never beg from the lead dog. When you teach your dog that begging's okay, you jeopardize your role as pack leader. Before you sit down to eat, tell your dog to stay. Create a spot where you want your dog to be. Maybe it's a rug in the kitchen and before you sit down to eat, tell him to stay. Tell him to go to his rug. You want to teach your dog not to stare at you and that begging is useless. That it's not permitted. If he is staring, put him in another room. If he behaves himself, you give him a treat, but only after you and the rest of your family are done eating. Over time, you'll be able to teach your dog that you are in charge and that begging from anyone in the pack or from any human period is just not permitted and that it's useless. 
Another good thing to do is always eat before you feed your dog. Then after you're done and you decide to feed him, make him work for the food. Have him sit and stay for 30, 40 seconds before you tell him to have at it. Well, good luck. We're all in this together. This is Animal Radio, baby. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. You may have heard about the Canadian animal activist who gave water to pigs outside of a slaughterhouse. Uh, A simple act of kindness that started a two-year-long legal battle and attracted attention from all around the world. The woman was charged with committing mischief and also faced the possibility of going to jail for six months. But finally, after so long this month, a judge has dismissed the case against Anita Crines, who is the founder of Toronto Pig Save, because she poured water into the mouths of panting pigs as a truck transporting the pig stopped for traffic outside of the slaughterhouse where Anita was protesting that day. So it was a pretty long and contentious trial, a lot of legal proceedings. But Anita says, though it is over, she is still disappointed that the judge did not recognize pigs and other animals as anything but mere property. Mm. I salute her. She's not going to jail. You know what? Can can we get her on the phone? Are you able to get her on the phone? Let me try. I want to talk to her. I I want to salute her. Okay, I'm hoping. If you can get in touch with her, let's have her on next hour. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Let's talk about this. Well, Nationwide Home Insurance recently surveyed 2,300 pet owners and asked about how much they spent money in the first 12 months that they owned their pets. Well, the answers took into account uh, food, bedding, toys, equipment, and pet insurance. The average answer for the pets they asked about, $4,530. So here's the, the wow. breakdown on this. Dogs, according to these owners, averaged $6,201 in the first 12 months that they had the pet. For cats, it was about half that, $3,177 in the first year. Fish, $995. So almost $1,000 for fish. But I'm thinking that's probably for, you know, the whole aquarium and setup and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, rabbits cost uh, $2,332 in the first year. And uh, horses, probably no big surprise there, cost the most, with owners spending a staggering $16,378 in the first year only. Wow. Uh, one of the highlights of the study, one in eight of those pet owners surveyed, or 12% of them collectively, confessed that they love their pet more than their partner. But personally, I suspect it's actually more than 12% because, you know, there were, I'm sure, many who were, for some reason, embarrassed to admit that. But I'm sure (laughs) there's more. Don't you agree? Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. 
What? Those of you who are married, do not comment. Okay. <laughs> I don't want your spouse to listen and start a family fight here. Well, Amanda Dennis knows all about love and loss and her animals and carrying on, never losing hope. Listen to this story. Her two dogs, Burton and Zuzu, they were the siblings' uh, result of a love affair between her friend's bulldog and another neighbor's schnauzer. Burton and Zuzu disappeared three years ago after a break-in at Amanda's apartment in Hartford, Connecticut. Three years later, she is still actively searching for them. Today, her Facebook page solicits information about them and has upward of 12,000 likes and still gets, you know, posts that are hopeful from sympathizers and gets, you know, some posts saying, hey, could this be your dogs or one of them? In the, the first six months after they disappeared, she put posters on nearly every telephone pole in town. She then decided she needed a new strategy. She sent postcards with their pictures to every animal shelter on the East Coast. Uh, She hasn't found Burton and Zuzu, but she says until, and these are her words, until you know for sure they're never coming home, you're always going to have that hope. Amanda admits that for the next decade or so at least, until the natural lifespan for Burton and Zuzu ends, she will continue to search and paws crossed that she finds them. Those are her kids. Yeah. Oh, I can't I, imagine. I would do the same thing. Yes. Yep. Oh, yep. that's heartbreaking. Good luck to you, Amanda. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. It's Animal Radio. As I mentioned before, we are not specious. We love them all. And it's hard to believe how many of us here in the studio actually had turtles as a youngster. Yeah, and, I don't uh, have any now, but I did. Pet. It is World Turtle Day in a few days here. We're very excited about it. Of course, I said this is the first time that I've heard about this. And apparently uh, the first time for a lot of people. Has anyone else in the studio heard about World Turtle Day? I think it's an annual thing. It is an annual thing? I think so. Yeah. Is there a Hallmark card for it? Do I need to get a <laughs> World Turtle Day Hallmark uh, card? I'm just wondering. Yeah, but you can get a T-shirt. I want it to be appropriate. You better move fast. Yes. We have we have uh, Susan Tellum. She is a, it says RN. Is that like a registered nurse? I don't know. Exe- she is the executive director of the American Tortoise Rescue when we welcome her to the show. Hi, Susan. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks so much for having me. Now, let's uh, get this straight. I'm, an, I'm a complete idiot. Any, you'll ask anyone in the studio. I'm the dumbest one here. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know anything about the difference between turtle and tortoise. Are they the same thing? Well, they're all—they're both uh, reptiles or amphibians, depending on what side of the track you're on. But 
The fact of the matter is turtles are generally water and they are carnivores and tortoises are generally land and they are vegetarians. So oh, that's huh. props, Lori. Very yeah. good, Lori. You had it right on there. She, she she told me earlier that that might have been the difference between them. And you say reptiles are amphibians, but it depends on what side of the tracks you're on. Are they reptiles or amphibians or both? Well, you know, I say they're reptiles, but um, there are some veterinarians that say they're amphibians. So I don't. I think uh, the majority of people would consider them a reptile. Doctor Debbie, would you chime yeah, in on? I, I believe, and I've been taught that they're a reptile. They are reptiles. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How long has World Turtle Day been going on? Well, I'm happy to say this is our 17th year. Wow. Yep. And uh, it's been growing substantially over the last 17 years. And last year was very successful. We had, um, we trended on Twitter and Facebook, and we had 150,000 views of our um, video. And we just had a ball. We were busy for 24 hours um, with different people around the globe. So uh, we had photos come in from Pakistan, uh, Borneo, the U.K. Um, this this year I've even gotten emails from South Africa. So it's a, a, people are, are excited to practice um, some kind of an event or to help out in some way for World Turtle Day. How long do tortoises and turtles live? Well, in captivity, they actually live, they tend to live longer than in the wild, um, because in the wild they have predators and other problems. But the average turtle, uh, water turtle, for example, can live anywhere from 25 to 50 years. The uh, tortoise is known for longevity and can live uh, 50 to 100 years or more. Wow. You want to include them in your pet will, I assume. I have mine and mine. Uh, that's definitely uh, in the sanctuary, all the turtles we have here. So uh, that's definitely something people have to consider when they're adopting. Lori here says that she uh, she adopted a turtle from you. What was the deal, Lori? I did. Um, I went to, I had um, I had, had a, I don't know, a, a, an air conditioning contractor who, wasn't uh, very nice and left really? the gate open. Yeah, and my turtle army, um, who was an African sulcata, got out. And I talked with three different animal communicators. I did everything trying to find him. And so about six months later, I talked to Susan. And Susan, this was probably like 17 years ago at the very beginning. And I adopted a tortoise named Bubba Ann. <laughs> Do you remember Bubba Ann? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's so long ago, though, and thousands of tur- turtles and tortoises after Bubba Ann. <laughs> it was like, so funny. Yeah, because you said he, you didn't know, or the people didn't know, if he was a male or a female. So they called him Bubba, and I, I don't remember. But anyhow, he turned out to be a male, but I still called him Bubba Ann. And he was delightful. He would go around the yard and um, had his favorite color of impatience that he would eat. And so I would go out, <laughs> and then I would have, like, just white and purple ones left. You know, it was, <laughs> one day he got into daylilies, and he never ate daylilies again after uh-huh. that. But he was... I had to be wary of wearing toenail polish. I mean, the things that you don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's really true. It's funny. Someone came and brought a Russian tortoise to the sanctuary uh, about a week ago, and she came with flip-flops. 
And I had forgotten to tell her, we always tell people wear closed-toed shoes. And so she was standing there talking to me, and one of our sulcatas named Popcorn, fortunately, or her boyfriend was vigilant and said, oh, watch out, just as Popcorn was about to devour one of her toes. So um, we, we got lucky on that one. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, and we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. This is Animal Radio. We are with Susan. Tell them she's the top turtle over at the American Tortoise Rescue. And World Turtle Day is just around the corner here. What's all the hubbub about the red sliders? Mainly that uh, they could be dangerous and cause salmonella. Well, any water turtle okay. is actually... And, and the fact of the matter is that I treat every turtle and tortoise as if it had salmonella because I'm washing my hands constantly or sure. using hand sanitizer. But the the real problem comes with the, the water turtle because they're in water and the poop and everything is sure. in there. So, um, And you can't get rid of salmonella. You might do like a, you have the vet do a test and it may came out, come out negative. Next time you go in, it'll come out positive. So um, the best thing, it's always good to make sure you, you wash your hands after handling any turtle or tortoise really thoroughly. And I have to interject because one of the reasons in the 70s that the federal government banned selling uh, red-eared sliders under four inches was because mostly because of the, the risk of salmonella for children. So people, you know, often get reptiles as pets for kids. And little kids do silly things with small creatures. And it's very easy to take a small reptile and put that in your mouth. Um, so it, it's something that the size does matter when it comes to some of the children uh, safety issues with salmonella. So. Yeah, we don't um, recommend any kid having a turtle under tw- uh, age, tw- uh, having a child be under age 12 because of that exact reason. So we're very vigilant about when people say, oh, I want to get uh, turtles for my kids or my grandkids. I always say, well, tell me a little bit about the kids. How old are they? And then they, I just have an email sitting in front of me right now that says, oh, they're four and six. Well, that's not going to happen. We don't adopt it to families with kids that small. What would you say to somebody who's saying, okay, cat, dog, turtle, what what kind of friend should I get? <laughs> what kind of friend should you get? Or what kind of pet should I get? Should it be a dog, a cat, or a turtle? What what makes the turtle stick out in your mind from a cat or a dog? Well, number one, they're, they don't make noise except when they're having sex. So oh. that's a big plus. <laughs> They don't and that can be loud. <laughs> <laughs> like cats do. Yeah. Um, and uh, they don't try to kill you by walking in front of you down the stairs. Yep. Which, yep. <laughs> um, and they don't have to go outside in the rain to get walked. So there's a lot of pluses to it, to a turtle or tortoise. And they, believe it or not, are very have very distinct personalities. They're easy to care for. They um, are 
really wonderful animals to have around because you've got history, you know, millions of years ago they outlived the dinosaurs. So it's something quite wonderful to have an animal like that. Now I always thought if you had one, you had to have a yard and a place for them to dig a hole and hibernate for the winter. Don't they hibernate? Well, first of all, yes. Uh, most, uh, not every animal does, not every turtle or tortoise. The red foot tortoise, the sulcata tortoise, and the leopard tortoise, for example, do not hibernate. Hmm. Um, secondly, um, you shouldn't hibernate them outside <clears throat> in a hole uh, because if it rains, it can collapse on them. So we don't recommend that. We recommend you hibernate them inside in a uh, baker's box or something. Huh. Uh, or in an outdoor doghouse, it's secure. So, um, yeah, that, they definitely hibernate, and actually it's the only time of year I get a little time off because uh, <laughs> most of them are hibernating, so I don't have to feed them and, you know, take care of them like I usually do because we have, we have over 100 um, permanent residents at the sanctuary, and I just took in 70 hatchling turtles from a confiscation. So wow. that made our um, numbers go way up. And so now that's a lot of extra work because those little guys poop a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm encouraging listeners to check this out and at least now be prepared for World Turtle Day. Don't let World Turtle Day come and go without you at least checking out this website. What is your website over there? Well, World Turtle Day is worldturtleday.org. Um, you could also see us on Facebook because we have about 25,000 followers there. And um, if they want to learn more about turtles in general, they can also go to tortoise.com, which is the American Tortoise Rescue website. And, and consider, you know, perhaps adopting a turtle, especially if you're living in a New York apartment where, you know, t- dogs, you just can't have them in a small apartment like that. They'd be perfect and for maybe something Maybe not like buying a turtle. Yes, yeah, well, adopting is the, the way to go. There are so many available for adoption. Uh, but we don't recommend turtles in tanks, so that might let out that New York apartment, unless you're willing to let it walk around and be part of the family that way. And, I and think most New Yorkers are willing to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because, like, a Russian tortoise will go underneath the bed and hibernate underneath the bed or in the closet. People seem to love that. Yeah. Can you potty train them to go in a certain location? Uh, you know, it depends. Um, I suggest um, that they tend to go after they eat, so you could put them in the bathroom or someplace with a floor that's easy to keep clean. There you okay. go. <laughs> uh, all I'm thinking about now is turtle sex. I... <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Susan, tell them we'll put information about everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com, and we're going to head back to the phones next. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. I'm in the mood for love, and evidently mice are too, and they want to sing about it. You probably thought those little squeaks a mouse make were just random little squeaks. And that's what the experts thought too, but research at the Washington University in St. Louis found that male rats actually serenade their potential dates with a little song. Scientists recorded romantic mouse squeaks, then slowed down the recording, which showed that mice were singing a little song, complete with a little melody and rhythm. Each mouse was singing his own little unique song. Over and over and over. 
How romantic. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. It's time for breakfast at Burger King. Three pancakes for 89 cents at Burger King. That's pancake, pancake, pancake. Respect the stack. Three pancakes for 89 cents. Also try two croissant sandwiches for $4. Only at Burger King. Limited time at participating Burger King restaurants. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio. Featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Grab your dogs, your cats, your turtles, your flamingos, even your pot-bellied pigs. Bring them around the radio if you have questions for the doctor. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Yes, we've just confirmed that we will have from the pig trial, the big pig trial that Lori reported on last hour. Anita Kreintz will be joining us this hour. Yes, I was able to get a hold of her, and she's going to come on and tell us all about it. And if you just tuned in... you work fast, Judy. She does. Oh, that's what I'm doing when you guys are all talking. (laughs) I'm sitting here behind the scenes. If you missed it last hour, she's an amazing woman. She uh, stands outside of a slaughterhouse and protests and does this regularly, but she ran into a situation where she tried to give some pigs some water. That were on a truck. They were on a truck, and the, mm-hmm. the truck driver got very upset and irate and very rude, might I say, and mm-hmm. ended up taking her to court saying that she was messing around with private property and, and blah, 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 blah. The judge ruled in her favor, and uh, she'll tell us all about it coming up in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, what are you working on over there for this hour, Lori? Um, they've done a, a, a new survey well, actually more like research into what makes men and women more attractive and with which kind of animals. Oh. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you a little tip off here. It's good news for men and puppies and some bad news for women and cats. What about men and turtles? <laughs> Any- you know, I'm going to write in and suggest that they do that next time. Because I think that's sexy. You know, well, not me personally. I mean, when I see, <laughs> stay okay. away from oh. the turtle. Yes, is, is, TMI, Hal. Is TMI. This thing on? <laughs> now we know. Let's uh, go to the phones. What do you say? Save me. The number is toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Very good. So what kind of dog do you have? It is a dog, right? It's, uh, yes, it's a little two-year-old Yorkie. Oh, how it's, wonderful. Well, what's going on with your Yorkie? It's, uh, Pepper. Okay. And, and what's uh, going, uh, are you having a problem with Pepper? Anytime there's, anytime she sees a car or a truck or something, she wants to chase after it. Oh. Try to bite oh. the tires or something, huh? That's not good. Okay. No. So, and is she doing this? What, is she off leash, or how does she get access to the cars? Well, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I come out. I go out to get the garbage or something, and I let her come out without a leash on. Okay. And she'll take off. Yeah. Oh dear. Now, does she go after cars that are only the cars that are moving, or is it any car, even if it's parked and sitting still? Uh, moving, moving. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it's even not even a car. It's somebody like uh, hauling something, you know, in a car or something like that, a wagon or something okay. like that. Yeah. Or like a bicycle, skateboards, yeah. things like that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. 
All right. Well, definitely a huge problem for many reasons, uh, as I'm sure you you can understand. Is one is you know, getting hit by cars, uh, coyote attacks, uh, other dog attacks. Um, and then certainly biting a person, you know, a Yorkie, you know, you, we think, oh my gosh, it's a little Yorkie, but still you can get in trouble and get your dog in trouble for, you know, setting him up into situations that could be a problem. Right. So the, the big thing to, to realize is, especially when we talk about chasing, chasing is a normal canine behavior. Um, and in some cases, it's also automatically rewarded. And, and the way I like to describe this is, okay, so, so your Yorkie likes to chase cars. So runs after, barks at cars, the car eventually drives away. She has won. Mm, right. We've been successful. And this pretty much happens almost 100% of the times. So when we bark and chase at a car, it'll eventually drive away. So therefore, again... We've won. Ah, great. Not only that, but when, when a dog does this kind of chasing behavior, it actually releases different components in the body, like adrenaline. And mm. adrenaline, basically, what that kind of does is it sets up this feeling in their body that it can basically become addictive, addicted mm. to that feeling. So this is more than just a dog that doesn't mind in the situation. This is a really rewarding behavior that's a lot of fun that you yelling is not going to stop. So um, we really need to do a couple things. One would be you need to maintain physical control of your dog at all times. Um, So I would say no more going out the garage or the front door to get the paper, take the garbage out with her, running loose. That is just too, you can't control that situation in any which way. So um, the other thing is that we want to have controlled exposures to the things that set her off, whether it's a car moving or a bicycle. So that means that we don't want her sitting in the backyard watching kids going by the drive or by the sidewalk, you know, on skateboards, rollerblading, cars going by, because it's just going to get her more anxious amped up and she's going to run around barking and and doing these behaviors that aren't going to be um, rewarding in the future. So that means keeping her um, under your leash control and then practicing those basic obedience. Sit, stay, come, and to do that not around those things that set her off, but to do that in a quiet area of the home or the yard and really make sure you got a good grasp or she's got a good grasp of these behaviors. Um, And then we start to work on kind of putting her in a small challenge. And when you're going to do, say we're going to have a, uh, a friend drive by and we're going to do that maybe 50 feet away. Mm-hmm. And we're going to work on making sure that she does something else. You're going to have her do a sit, a stay, um, something, or teach her a command to look at you, what we call like a focus command. Mm-hmm. We want her to do those things when that car is just not too close, but just maybe in the nearby where she can kind of see it. And as long as she's calm, quiet, and isn't getting revved up, and then you can reward, positive rewards, you know, pieces of hot dog, cheese, you know, roast beef, whatever it is that really gets her um, wound up and really excited about listening to you. Okay. And you practice that, and then eventually we're going to have her be closer to those things that set her off, the skateboards, the cars, and all of that. Um, but if you just expect to you know, yell at her and say, no, come here, don't do that, you are not going to win that. That is just like, it's like you right. know, putting, putting me at the, the mall with you know, <laughs> a pretzel, <laughs> pretzel store nearby <laughs> and asking me not to have one. You know, don't put me in that situation because I am going to fail every single time. <laughs> There's no self-control there. So I'm sorry. Um, but you, you see where I'm going. And so you want to make sure that you do keep her calm. You don't want to reward an anxious, jazzed-up barking dog. That's not going to do us any good. We want to catch her at those moments when she might be quiet but can recognize a car is nearby, it's moving, and, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to get worked up about it. 
Okay. So, uh, so that's it. Does take work, and a lot of times I'll use things like, um, you know, the like gentle lead harnesses uh, for some dogs. That can be really helpful just to kind of keep their head uh, control so that they can kind of focus on you, and then you can also make sure you don't uh, have a dog slip out of a collar or anything like that. Right. Well, we've only had it like a couple of weeks. Oh, you oh okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely something that, you know, for, you know, keeping her safe and having a good, healthy, productive, um, you know, pet relationship with her, you know, I would definitely nip this in the bud. These things don't get better with time unless you put the uh, time and the effort on it. So. Okay. Good luck with that, Eric. Thanks for your right. call. Thank you. Take care. Toll free, one 405 to reach out to the Dream Team. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. Let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. We have Roy on the phone. Hey, Roy. Hi, how are you today? Very good. How are you? Good. You sound so cheery. Good. I have a uh, little three-year-old chihuahua. His name is MacGyver. <laughs> and I, like I buy him. I try, to try not to feed him uh, any food with uh, corn, uh, wheat, or soy. And so I got the, uh, the buffalo blue. He's been eating that for... Several years, but he, he doesn't really eat it. Like he'll 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 go to the bowl, he'll eat it, he'll have, he'll take one kibble, turn away, chew it, come back, chew another one, go go back, and he'll do that maybe a couple times, and then he'll stop eating it. I'm wondering, is like, is there anything I can mix in with it that he'll eat the kibbles and everything, or so, maybe I mean, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Yeah, and you know, I guess I I would make that decision based a little bit on what he's looking like and if he's eating that food during the day. So if he's in good body condition and he's just a grazer and he likes to pick up that one kibble, walk away and nibble, that's fine with me. Some some pets, that is just their pattern of eating. And so especially if he's in good weight or if he's on the heavy side, I don't think we need to necessarily encourage appetite in those situations. And, and I would just let him have his normal eating style. But we would want to make sure that there isn't some undetected health problem that could be causing him to not eat so eagerly. So if he were here in front of me, the first thing I would do is look in his mouth. Chihuahuas notoriously can have some problems with their teeth. If we've got any bum teeth in there, we need to address that and make sure that those are taken care of. Well, that is true because he did have uh, two extracted like uh, about seven to eight months ago. Okay. Well, might be a reason just to take another peek in there. Um, okay. But there are some other things that will cause a dog to not be a, a hearty eater, and they're kind of more internal, inflammatory bowel disease or even some liver problems. You know, those kind of things can also cause them to kind of be off on their food. So if he's losing weight or skinny and not eating well, then that would take us in a different direction where we'd talk about doing more like lab work to um, determine what might be going on there. I see. Well, well, thank you very, very much for answering my question. I really do appreciate that. Thanks My for pleasure. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to connect with the Dream Team. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Alan Cable with today's amazingly sweet love story. Watch. <laughs> 
It's a ghost. Owen's getting a little kiss from his dog. He's seven years old. This is a story of how one little boy and a dog changed each other's lives. Owen has an illness that causes his muscles to constantly be tense, so it's very difficult for him to move around and do simple things. It's made him very shy and withdrawn. Well, some folks were searching for someone to adopt a dog named Hachi. He's a big Italian shepherd that only has three legs. Hachi got hit by a train and then came to us. Owen says it was a magical meeting. First day I met him, put his head on my lap and that's what happened. Owen's family says he's a different kid with Hachi there. Much more outgoing. Really happy. Everything changed my life. This is Animal Radio, baby. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. It gives me great pleasure to present to you the dog father, Joey Villani, on Animal Radio. Hey, if you want to talk to him, it's toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Ask him about grooming not only your dogs, your cats, but even your birds. Because he, he's a, I, I would say he's a bird owner, but frankly, the bird owns him. So, yeah, You're pretty much right. Yeah. Good old grooming. Turtles, too. I use turtle wax. Turtles, too. Good, because it's a big turtle show today. You know that, right? It's all about turtles. Turtles. That's a funny word. Say it fast. Turtles, 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 turtles. (laughs) Turtles, 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 turtles. (laughs) Tortoise, 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 tortoise. Turtles are funner. It's funner to say turtles. Okay. You know what? You know when I get get these tips that get me excited? Um, um, This is one of them today because I actually tried it to see if if it would work, and it works like a charm. And everyone hates ticks, right? Right? We all we all hate them. We we don't like removing them. We don't like getting them. So I've seen a really really cool trick, and um, I tried it, and it works like a charm. So this is what you're gonna do first. See, before I say anything, I'm gonna get you um, involved in getting the product. Go out and get 100% peppermint oil, um, essential oil. Well, I've got it has some of that. to be the has to be the real stuff. Okay. Yeah. When you find a tick on your dog or your cat. When the head is embedded, okay, and it's there, and you don't want to pull it out, and it's squeamish, and it's squeamish, I should say, not squeamish. Um, what you want to do is put a couple of drops of peppermint oil directly on the tick itself. They don't like it. They pull right out. They pull out within 30 seconds. They will pull out of the skin completely on their own. And it's a good thing because when we pull them out, a lot of times we leave the barbs because their head has barbs on them to keep them in there. And what ends up happening is is a lot of times the pet will get an infection. Or even when it's on you, we'll get an infection. Now, I don't want to leave that essential oil on the pet's skin because peppermint oil could be a little bit harsh. It could cause irritation. So then just get a um, get, get a, um, a rag with a little bit of, of, of shampoo on it, wipe it off, dry it, and you know what? You'll have a real happy pet. Now, one thing, don't do this around the muzzle or the eyes. The last thing you want to do is to get it in your pet's Ooh, yeah. eyes 
and it's real strong. So you know, it wouldn't be comfortable just for the from the vapors for the for the pet breathing it in, but on its neck, on its back, on its body, on its hindquarters. You know what? It works great, and the tick pulls right out, and then you just dispose of them. I saw the video. I watched a video this weekend of it, and I, I think actually I put that up. Did you put that up? Okay, that's yeah, where I, I think saw so. it. That was pretty interesting. It just backed right out with that oil on it. That that's was good. so cool. Yeah. I tried. I tried it this weekend. Um, you had I, a tick. I, I kind of. Yes, um, I I didn't. Dumb the dog did, and um, it's um, it 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 pulled it pulled right out, pulled right out, and once it pulls out, it, they, they almost go into like a um, like a comatose stage. They're not dead, but they, they kind of laid there, so you're able to just pick up with tweezers and dispose of them. And, um, and wow, it's 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 a real. You know what? This is a good alternative to pesticides. If you don't want to use pesticides, and you know, you're one of these. You know, pet owners that are diligent about going through your pet's skin and you know making sure they don't have fleas and ticks. I mean, um, it's it's perfect. It's a, it's a perfect, especially and you know, it's a good camping trick too. I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have lots of peppermint oil because I heard it was good to get rid of gophers. You soak the cotton balls and you stick it down the gopher holes. But I went out there the next day and all the cotton balls were all over my yard. They just they like they just spit them back <laughs> Fill them out. up again, please. Yeah, they wanted like refills, so I got lots of peppermint oil. Oh, that's good. People used to think you take a hot uh, needle. Like a match. Oh, like a match. A match. And, and you, yeah. You can, which is not what you're supposed to do because apparently they regurgitate when that happens Ooh. inside while they're biting the, the animal. And you certainly don't want that to happen. Not good. So good. Have Grab- you guys ever had a tick on you? Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. gosh. That is so creepy when you can feel well, it moving. Oh, When I lived in Virginia, I was... In second grade, I remember sitting in the classroom and I felt something on my head and I reached up on my, in, you know, my hair and it was a tick and I freaked and I grabbed it and I pulled it out and I threw it. And I don't know, <laughs> don't know where it I don't know where it landed. <laughs> Probably on another kid, but I was just... Well, I have a horror thin. story. Okay. A total horror story as a child, okay? I was okay. about seven years old. And if you know the backwoods in New Jersey, it's not backwoods anywhere, but Jackson, New Jersey, was like going to Tennessee or, or, or the bayou when, you know, I grew up in a city. This was all woods. So we used to go out in the woods and play, and my, and my aunt had this, this swimming pool, so... We all were swimming. We ran in the woods to play, jumped in the pool. I said, well, you know what? I had a pee. So when I went to pee, where do you think the tick had embedded itself? That must have went up my leg as a seven-year-old child. Oh. Now, thank God I've already done, I was already a pet groomer. Well, not, actually, I wasn't. Um, so I had to be older. So I had to be about nine, ten years old. But I was already a pet groomer, so I knew how to pull it out without having to tell anyone else about it. But, um, yeah, he was, he, he was embedded in a very private spot. Oh, you weren't going to pee in the pool, were you? I think they go for warm areas, right? <laughs> no, I wasn't going to pee in the pool. That's what I, I did, thought. I See, <laughs> I, wouldn't have whipped, I wouldn't have whipped it out. I would have just went. So I wouldn't have seen it. See, we're talking about ticks, not peeing in a pool, guys. Let's, you know. Oh, like you've never done it before. Not in the pool. No, I haven't, actually. To be very honest with you, I haven't. I'm, I'm one of those, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, I don't like messes. I don't like stuff like, I don't just don't like that kind of stuff. It's not me. I know. I can't even do it in the ocean. Well, that's different. <laughs> All bets are off in the ocean. Yeah, all bets are off for this show. Um, <laughs> it's Animal Radio. Really? one 405 8405 It's just like watching a car wreck. Uh, we'd love to hear your tick stories. You know, <laughs> call us with your tick stories. Or peeing in the pool stories. <laughs> uh, have you seen seen those movies where they 
they uh, put something in the pool water so that if somebody does do that, it turns like purple or turns something. Colors, yeah, yes. so you know when I somebody does I always wanted to see it. that happen. Yeah, I wonder if that's true. That's why I never peed in a pool. I didn't want that. I always heard it was like a red ring around you or something. <laughs> <laughs> Stand close next to someone. Hey! <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Okay, Kevin, for the grand prize of $1 million, what color is the White House? Um... I know this, I know this, I know this. Um, five seconds. Oh, switching to Geico could save you a bunch of money on car insurance? Okay. Judges? That's true, Kevin. Bill Allowed, congratulations. You're a winner. Woo! Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. If you've ever felt like Cupid has put you in the doghouse when it comes to finding love, adopting a furry companion might help improve your luck. However, there's a new survey out that suggests Not just any pet will do. You can't rush out and buy or, you know, get a turtle, rescue a a kitten or a cat, because that might hurt your chances. Let's tell you what's going on here. Petsy surveyed 1,000 men and women on how attracted they were to the opposite sex when they saw pictures of the opposite sex with dogs or cats of all different sizes and ages. Researchers showed study participants 12 pictures of the same people. Now, half of the group saw the person with a pet, while the other half saw him or her without a pet. And here's what they found. Women rated men, this is not going to shock you, holding puppies is almost 24% sexier, 14% more trustworthy, 13% more attractive than the same man who was not holding a puppy. Wow. That's right. That's why I'm always holding now, a puppy. Meanwhile, yeah, get a puppy how. Uh, dogs that weren't too big or too small gave women the biggest sexiness boost as men rated them at about 7% sexier and more attractive than if they weren't holding any dog at all. But in terms of trustworthiness, Small dogs gave women the biggest advantage. Men rated women with small dogs nearly 9% more trustworthy, for those of you in sales, are you seeing this, uh, than women in photos without a dog. Now, this, I thought, is the real bummer. And thank goodness for you, Hal, the cat man or the cat guy. This applies to women. Women with kittens... I can't even believe this. We're perceived as the least attractive, and women with cats were rated lowest on sexiness and trustworthiness. But what about guys with cats? 
Well, well, that's an anomaly. You know, it doesn't happen very often. So they, they think that's <laughs> they pretty cute. They didn't put that in the but survey. But women with cats, what is it? We have got to get rid of that. Abolish the stereotype. But, um, yeah, kittens, they're, kittens are the funniest thing on the planet. I recommend them for friends who are depressed because they are just the most adorable and so funny. I don't, I don't know why this happens, but for men, men who were shown with a large dog, they were viewed as the least sexy and least attractive. Hmm. Right down there with women and cats. Uh, four law firms are making news these days for representing pet owners in a class action lawsuit, which alleges that prescription dog and cat food is a marketing scheme by pet food companies to pump up their profits. And we're not saying this is true. We're just relaying the news. This is what's going on. Uh, these law firms say at the heart of it, the world's largest pet food manufacturers are requiring that certain pet foods be sold by prescription, even though there is no legal requirement for that prescription. And they say that requiring a prescription from a veterinarian misleads consumers, providing cover that enables pet food companies to charge excessive prices because prescription pet food contains no drug or other ingredient that is not also common in non-prescription pet food. There's a, you know, it's going to be going around and around a lot on this one with just the words, but the suit has been filed in federal court in California against the companies, the big ones, that make Hills Prescription Diet Food, Purina Pro Plan Veterinary Diets, Royal Canin Veterinary Diet, and Imes Veterinary Formula also. But uh, also named as defendants are PetSmart, Banfield Pet Hospital, and Blue Pearl Vet. Uh, prescription pet food, by the way, accounts for about 5% of the $24 billion in pet food sales in the U.S. each year, according to the lawsuit, or that amounts to about $1 billion a year. Yeah, but you can feed the wrong prescription food to a dog or a cat and cause a different problem. So I, I disagree with this lawsuit. I think you need to have that veterinary uh, guidance on what food. I've had cats come in with the wrong kind of food and get a different kind of stone, or mm. a dog develop pancreatitis because they were on a kidney diet. When people picked the wrong food, they misunderstood. So mm. Okay. Yeah, it's like the, the glucose or the blood sugar foods. I mean, and they all have, it's a nutritional aid, isn't it? More than anything to help with their it, disease it is process. Pres- I describe prescription foods as a prescription in your pet's food bowl. So if you can avoid giving medications, then it is a prescription diet can help treat a disease without the need of medications and things that you have to do outside of that food bowl. So uh, interesting, interesting uh, discussion. I think we're going to be hearing more about it, too. Finally, um, was it Hal or Judy sent me the story? Oh, my gosh. So adorable were the pictures that were included because couples who want to include their pets in their wedding They've got a new avenue to help them out, and they're spending hundreds of dollars to make their pets part of their big day. It's a booming new business for one company called First Class Pet Wedding Assistance. This might be my dream job. Um, the wedding packages include walking the pets, bathing them, grooming 
dressing them, coordinating, and, you know, working with them with the professional wedding photographers for the photos, and then taking the pets home to feed and settle them in for the night. If, you know, the pets can't be at their reception, that would be a long day for them. Or if the couple leaves right away for their honeymoon. Packages start at $300 but can climb up to as much as a 1000 depending on the services you need, but the number of pets and also would would determine how much you're going to pay and whether pet sitting services are required during the parents honeymoon so, so cool so cool there's there's so much to do at a wedding this is a genius thinking on their part yes it is it's a new job it has a new title it's called the wedding nanny that's what people it. are calling them hmm. i love it i'm lori brooks get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Just fine. I'm a truck driver. I'm driving through Atlanta right now. Driving through but I'm a- Atlanta? Yeah, I'm on the way home. And do, you tra- I, I w- do you travel with your animal? No, they took him out of the truck because, uh, I don't know, I, I could try to get him back. But it's my wife's dog I'm concerned with. Okay, well, I got it's the doctor a, here, so what's up? It's a chihuahua. He's a male. He's five years old, pedigree. And uh, he's never, uh, well, he, he's marking my house, and he's, and he's humping on his toys. Okay, so I'm guessing this boy's got two things dangling between his hind limbs, huh? Right, right. He's not okay. Neutered. Now, you know, my question was, if I have him neutered, will that stop, or is uh, that going well, to continue on? Well, what you're describing, those are sexual behaviors. So while it's impossible to say it won't happen at all, um, they're driven by hormones. So an intact male dog is very likely to hump on objects or people, um, and um, definitely marking is part of their communication. So my number one recommendation is, um, you know, he makes a better pet, and it's healthier for him to get him neutered. So, yes, I wouldn't hesitate to get that done. And only in some rare cases do we see dogs that will still um, mark or that will still um, have some of those over-sexual behaviors like the, the humping and that. And in those cases, um, you know, we have to kind of deal a little bit more training-wise with that. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, so, definitely. Because, you know, I mean, he's the inside dog. He only goes on a leash. And I've been trying to find a female. Made him, you know, I mean, these are some awesome dogs. Uh, he doesn't need to breed just because he's awesome. You love him all the same. And everybody wants to breed their dog because they want to pass on the good genes. But you know what? Every day at the shelter, even here in Las Vegas, 
chihuahuas, pure breed chihuahuas, are put to sleep because they don't have homes. So I would stop you before you even think about breeding just for the sake of, you know, breeding on his good oh. genes. Really. Um, so, yeah, I'd embrace a castration, go ahead and get this little fella neutered, help his behavior problems. And then also, you know, it helps to, you know, save a life because, you know, those pups that might be born, you know, would displace uh, the hopeful adoption of some other dogs that are already what, waiting. What kind of cancers can we avoid if we get neutered and spayed? Well, in male dogs, definitely testicular cancer. Um, it helps to decrease risk of prostate cancer in male dogs. And there's even some skin tumors in male dogs that are hormonally driven. So those can be eliminated or wiped out um, with uh, castration. In female dogs, there's a lot. Mammary cancers. If we spay a dog before they go into heat, we can make the risk of breast cancer zero. If you wait until after they've had a few heats or let them have, you know, babies, that risk of breast cancer goes up. So uh, spaying also um, saves female dogs from having the problem of pyometra, which is an infection in the uterus, which is very, very serious, life-threatening, completely preventable by getting them spayed. So, yeah, there's overwhelming um, evidence to, to recommend spaying a neuter. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. If cats really do have nine lives, a little calico cat from Wenatchee, Washington, probably only has a few left. Witnesses say they saw the cat leap from the back of a pickup truck as it was driving over a bridge. The cat then scampered through traffic and jumped off the bridge 70 feet into the chilly Columbia River. He then swam 600 feet to shore, being guided by a guy in a kayak. The super kitty was then rescued by the Wenatchee Valley Humane Society, who said that once back at the shelter, he had a very big appetite. No one has claimed the little guy yet, but something tells me this super cat will have no trouble finding a new home. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets, the toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405. If you were with us last hour during the news, you may have heard Lori report on an amazing lady who gave some pigs some water as they awaited entrance into the slaughterhouse. And she got in trouble for that. She videotaped it. She got in trouble. She ended up in a long entangled legal battle and she came out victorious and we are so happy about that she is joining us today her name is anita kreintz hi anita how are you doing hi i'm doing really well i'm i'm very relieved i bet you are this is this has been a two-year battle for you yes almost two years i mean the the original incident took place in june of 2015 well let's catch listeners up for those that have not seen the video or any of the amazing news uh lately about this tell listeners what exactly happened 
Well, to, to give you some context and background, um, our group, Toronto Pig Safe, has been holding weekly vigils since 2011. And originally they were in Toronto, and then the slaughterhouse in Toronto went bankrupt, so then we went to Burlington and would do these vigils outside Fearman's Pork Incorporated. And basically, 8 to 10 in the morning, on Thursday mornings, we would um, hold vigils, uh, you know, holding up placards, giving out leaflets, and then when a transport truck would come, we'd go to the traffic island and bear witness. And um, on that particular day in June, it was really hot. It was like, and so I looked inside the truck, and and the pigs had their mouths open and were panting heavily, and some of them had foam around their mouth. And I said, let's give them water. And you know, we've been giving water to pigs for a year or two prior to that, so this wasn't new. Um, the pigs looked desperate, and they were and they were very friendly. They came right up to to me as soon as I gave them some water. And the truck driver said, "Don't give them water." And I said, when, I quoted the Bible. I said. When Jesus said, when I was thirsty, you gave me water. And he said, well, they're not human, um, you dumb freaking broad. And then he um, said he'd call the police. And I said, call Jesus. And, and, and I said, you know, if the pigs are thirsty, they'll get water. And then he drove off. And I didn't hear anything about the case until about six weeks later when a police officer came to my home and issued a summons saying I was charged with criminal mischief, interference with property, and the property being the pigs. Oh my gosh. Mm. That's ridiculous. <laughs> this was a long battle. That's got to cost money, right? Well, luckily, I've had two vegan lawyers, um, Gary Grill and James Silver, represent me pro bono, and they've been wonderful. Um, you know, they've really believed in the, the case and um, called, they, they used a very inclusive approach. They, they called expert witnesses on to talk about the health and environmental consequences of animal agriculture. And they also uh, brought forward Dr. Laurie Marino, who's a cognitive behavioralist, to talk about the sentience, personality, and intelligence of pigs. And she said, under the definition of personhood, pigs are persons and not property, because I was charged with uh, criminal mischief interference with property. Unfortunately, the judge ruled in this case that pigs are property. So that was sort of um, so, so the mixed results from this case. Well, you know what? It may have been a long battle for you, but I think you brought a lot of attention to it. A lot of attention that would have otherwise not ever been on the surface and in the news. I, I, yeah, I think that's been one of the incredible benefits of this case. You know, what this case did is, you know, help put out those images that we see every week. So we look into the transport trucks right in front of slaughterhouses at vigils, and, you know, we see these animals looking in our, into into our eyes and pleading for help. A lot of them are fearful and terrified. Some some of them are resigned. Um, others are very friendly, sort of depending on their experience. And, you know, and we see that tragedy. And we see the, when we look in the trucks, we see individuals. You know, they're not just um, numbers. And our vigils put a face on the, the, the nameless numbers. And so what, what is so good about this case is the photos that were published and, and on, uh, in the mainstream press and, and the videos that were looped, you know, yep. on mainstream TV, finally showed the images that we see. And it was clear to people that, you know, these pigs were suffering and that they're individuals. And by and large, everyone sympathized with the idea of giving water to thirsty pigs. Sure. And it, you know, I think it raised for people the question of, you know, perhaps looking at what questions of diet change and, um, you know, following the golden rule. Yeah, you can't watch that video if you have a heart and not feel something, you know. Exactly. You, you really felt for those poor pigs, and it just really raises the awareness. So what's up next for you? 
Well, because this in this judgment, um, you know, the judge said pigs are property. We we want to tackle that issue, and the best way we know how to tackle it is by encouraging everyone to bear witness and meet the pigs face to face. You know, I was a vegan and activist for years before Toronto Pig Safe started, and only when I bore witness did it change everything for me. Because if you experience firsthand such injustice, it, it makes you fight for animals much harder. You know, it becomes a priority in your life. So our group, Toronto Pig Safe and the Safe Movement, um, uh, which consists of 150 safe groups worldwide, promotes the idea that everyone has a duty to bear witness. It doesn't matter if you're a vegan, vegetarian, or omnivore. Um, we all have the duty not to look the other way when someone's suffering, but to come close, as close as you can, and try to help. That's basically Leo Tolstoy's definition of bearing witness. And I and appreciate the uh, the fight to make animals not property, and that's starting to change. We're starting to see that slowly change. As far as cats and dogs, that's the same thing. And uh, we're seeing in Alaska, they've made some changes, making these animals recognized in the eye of the law as beings yeah. as opposed to property. Exactly. We commend you, and if you were here, we'd all hug you to death. <laughs> Aww, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, a big hug to you all, too. Thank you for spending time with us today. It was a pleasure. Okay, folks, it is time for us to get on out of here. It's getting very hot and sweaty in the studio. Uh, the uh, windows seem to be all closed. The I think animals. That's just you, Hal. Is it? Yes. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it is just me. Uh, <laughs> I need my walk. So will you take me for my walk? Yes, I'll take you for your daily walk. Uh, if you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next week. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.